0: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to uh, the weekly deep dive here for Wayfarers Christian Church. I am uh, Noah Randolph, the teaching pastor here. Uh, so thankful that you're uh, uh, tuning in with us again today. Uh, it's been uh, it's been kind of a week for all of us here, but uh, it's been uh, um, for me pretty good. But um, we're definitely getting into the cold season, so I've got my nice little uh, hat here. That's uh, you're dressed for the season. Yeah, I'm dressed gonna... for the season and everything. Um, been uh uh walking my dog late at night still and all the cold and everything so yeesh um it was it was really nippy last night but uh how are you doing nick i'm doing good man yeah yeah
1: um it has been an interesting few days but we'll get into that a little bit here yeah. later yeah um but yeah you know overall i think
0: uh yeah doing pretty good um we're in the middle of the Advent season, so uh, we're definitely uh, still uh, hitting all the um, weeks on that. We're uh, going to be doing the third week this week. Have you uh, got everything planned out for your, uh, got any ideas what you're doing for your sermon yet? Or
1: Yeah, any, uh, yeah, definitely anything? have a good direction for how we're going to be taking it. Uh, I kind of mentioned it a little bit in the sermon on Sunday, mm-hmm. but since this is my first time sort of officially taking a church through, advent season Mm -hmm. um i've been uh you know figuring it out as i go i Mm -hmm. guess and um
0: as you tend to do (laughs) yeah
1: yeah and so it was funny because you know i accidentally spent the whole first sunday of advent talking about what most churches talk about on the second sunday of advent (laughs) and so then on the second sunday of advent i just like spend more time talking about the same thing (laughs) Um, And decided I would do my due diligence this time, and I made sure that I had like way ahead of time looked up exactly (laughs) what happens on the third Sunday of Advent. So um, we've got even a way to connect a little bit about what we're talking about today with um, that point, uh, with what what the third Sunday of Advent usually focuses. But before we get into that, we've been doing uh, our quirky queries. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I love that name,
0: because I came up with it. (laughs) uh,
1: Just kind of get-to-know-you questions, trying to ask each other some interesting questions. We've been getting to know each other a little bit better, and Mm -hmm. hopefully the people watching have been getting to know us a little bit better, too. Um, I think we both got one picked out this week, so you go first, and then I'll follow up with mine after that.
0: Um, I feel like I've asked you this at one point, but I've forgotten the answer, so this will be new information for me. Uh, What is... The most, the best meal you've ever had in your life, hands the down. Best meal I've ever yeah, had. the be- best meal you've ever had. You know, I'm a, I'm a big cook, so like I'm just curious. Like of all the culinary uh, experiences you've had, what has been the the top of the list? You always go back to that memory and say that was the best food I've ever had.
1: That is a good question. Um, I think the best meal I ever had was here in Memphis, actually. Really? Well, it was a very expensive meal. Memphis so, has great food, I will say. Yeah, it was a very expensive meal, so it, uh, you know... You paid like, for what it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I got my money's worth out mm. of it. But um, it was our... Um, I believe it was our third wedding anniversary, me and my wife, Adrian, mm. And we... Um, Went to a restaurant downtown called the Grey Canary. Hmm. Um, my buddy Jeffrey was working there as a uh, waiter and bartender. Oh, cool. Um, so shout out Jeffrey. I know he catches some of these every once in a while. <laughs> um, but he was working there at the time and he uh, had just been telling us, you know, come check it out. He said the food's really great and you're going to love everything about it. And so we. Uh, we did we it was it's an expensive restaurant it's like a fancy you know expensive restaurant so it had to be a special occasion so we waited for our anniversary and um we got to go and the cool the cool thing about the restaurant is it's one of those places where you order like a lot of small dishes instead of like an entree and they just bring out a whole bunch of different stuff and me and adrian just kind of like shared everything it's almost like the tapas thing like some Mm. uh spanish restaurants will do but not not quite um and so we just kind of went down the list and picked like eight or nine different things for them to bring us and they were just kind of slowly bringing them out throughout the night and we just got to try little bits of all of it and it was incredible um the highlight of the night um well, they have oysters there, like mm. it's got like a raw oyster bar, Oof. and uh, you you got to pick between like all the different types of oysters, which was pretty good. Adrian did not like that part as much, but I liked that. Um, but the highlight of the night for me was um, they had they had a a tuna steak, um, like poke bowl, you mm. know? Yeah, yeah. So it was like it was like this thick piece of raw tuna steak that they had cubed and like dissolved in like a pineapple reduction sauce thing. Mm. And so it had like infused into the tuna steak so that when you like took a bite, it just literally melted in your mouth. Like you didn't have to chew it at all. It literally just like dissolved onto, Mm. onto your tongue and every every other aspect of the meal was incredible the the uh jeffrey made us some like really awesome cocktails the the nice um the service and experience was awesome all of the every single dish was incredible and it was just like start to finish
0: best meal you've ever best had. meal i've ever had that's awesome
1: that's also awesome. maybe possibly the most expensive
0: meal i've ever paid for so <laughs> i don't know what that says but either way that was good what about you I, I was thinking about it, and I was like, I don't think I've ever paid more than $20 for a meal outside yeah. of the house.
1: Just because... I'm going to fix this camera. Hold oh,
0: yeah, fix it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I've never really, like... Uh, yeah, I, I've, I've never been that guy that, like... I feel like that's only a part of your life that you do when you're, like, married or, like, engaged or something like that, you know? You'd go out to a really expensive place. It's really weird if you're single, and you, like go to a really fancy place like yeah. that. You yeah, know, yeah. like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm a single guy. Like, I'm going to walk into a really nice fancy place where everybody's, like, dressed in suits and stuff like that. Sit down at a lone table and enjoy. It's just kind of weird. I That's don't a know. good point. It's just, like, really, I, 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 I don't really, yeah, I, I've not been able to come to terms with that one. So I don't. Do a lot of those fancy like meals and things, and so I would say honestly, probably some of the best meals I've had have been what I've cooked at my home for myself. You know, uh, All right. I would probably say up to this point, probably the best meal I've ever had was Peyton came over, and we made homemade lasagna from start to finish. Uh, You've told start, me about this meal, start to finish. Yeah, yeah, and. uh we used uh, red wine to like deglaze the bottom of a pan that we had cooked pork and steak in, um, so we got that nice fond, and then uh, added tomato paste, and added onions, and uh, celery, and garlic, and you know, cooked all the veggies in the fond and the liquid, and then it added all the meat back into it, and then just cooked that down for like an hour and a half. And it ended up being this, like, super rich, creamy meat it's just, like, melting in your mouth. Really amazing. Like, you didn't even want to put that in the lasagna. It was so good yeah. by itself. You just wanted to eat that all the time. And uh, so that's kind of what we did. We snacked on it as we're making this lasagna. And he made homemade uh, lasagna noodles. And then we made uh, a bechamel instead of uh, ricotta cheese. We did a bechamel, which is just a white yeah. uh thick sauce um it's what you use to make mac mac and cheese and we uh use the bechamel as sort of like the ricotta bit uh which is like more traditional italian way to make uh, mm-hmm. lasagna and so we used that and then the homemade noodles and we just did layer upon layer of uh parmesan bechamel meat sauce noodles parmesan all the different yeah. layers and we did like three layers of it Bake that in the oven. Oh my goodness! Like, still to this day, I think I've never had a better, a better meal, better meal than that lasagna. That sounds awesome. That lasagna was incredible. So, we uh, we probably should have hours. eaten before
1: we started talking about all of this. <laughs> I'm sorry. We, we 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 just ate some uh, some cookies that Betsy. Uh, Shout out to Betsy. Uh, those were great cookies. Yes, those were incredible. <laughs> Thank you, Betsy. They did not even last a day. We uh, destroyed those, but um, they were really really good. I don't think that was enough of an appetizer before talking about all of this, but all right, here's my uh, question. Get to know you question. Quirky query. Um, what is your favorite object that you've ever purchased? Mm -hmm. And what is your favorite object that you were ever given as a gift? So Mm. basically like, what's your favorite
0: thing? I've told you one, I've told you the second question before. Um, all right, so, I'll that do, one? so I'll do that one first. What's my favorite gift I've ever been given? Um, so I'm a big Hemingway fan, Ernest mm-hmm. Hemingway fan. And I uh, did not know a lot about his backstory when I was a big fan of his. Like I yeah. read all of his books and I didn't really know his history and like his life and everything. I found out all of that later after basically finishing all of his books and learned that he was not necessarily the greatest like male figure. Um, He was a very uh, macho and uh, (laughs) succinctly like left a wife for a prettier wife kind of uh, lifestyle. And uh, it just wasn't a great person. Um, And so I didn't know any of this and kind of was just like talking about Hemingway all the time at Avenue and things like that. And ended up uh for our Secret Santa at Avenue one year, I ended up getting gifted um a uh basically a picture of Hemingway um that has Greek letters underneath it. It's like an entire like Greek script underneath a uh, etched in pencil etched picture of Hemingway with uh one of his most famous quotes, which is um Writing is easy. All you have to do is sit at a typewriter and bleed, Uh, which is a great quote. But I got all of this, and it was really cool and everything. And it was gifted to me by, like, someone that I would call an Mm -hmm. ultra-feminist. And I never knew in the moment that uh, I – like, Hemingway's backstory, and I never knew how much she actually, like – went against that grain I guess in her to give me that gift and that's always Mm -hmm. meant like the most to me uh that she would give me (laughs) one of my favorite authors who I didn't even know was this kind of leaning more towards this sexist kind of mentality um and so that that gift has always meant more to me than any other gift given to me just because
1: especially because you knew the giver yeah (laughs) yeah exactly
0: so um that would be that one and then what was the first question again sorry your
1: favorite uh like thing
0: that you've ever purchased favorite thing that I've ever been uh, ever purchased like you bought yourself huh uh I would probably say oh that's tough this is gonna sound bad but I've purchased a lot of things and so it's (laughs) like you're trying to figure out like uh you know you purchase video games and you you purchase like all these different items but um uh that's really tough sometimes I rate things based off of how much I use them. Sure. Not really like the experience of purchase, yeah. purchasing them themselves, you know, like, cause sometimes I'll purchase a thing and then it never gets used. Right. And then I kind of feel like, you know, yeah, sure like, sure. like, like, oh wow, that was a bad purchase. Um, so I think I'm just going to go with the thing that I use more than any other thing in my house that I've bought. Cause that just makes the most sense yep. to me. Um, and that would be, uh i have uh this little coffee setup and everything that i have and the thing that i probably use the most out of that setup is uh a uh little uh um hot water heater that <laughs> um basically heats all the way up to 208 degrees on its own and keeps it at temperature yeah. um without me ever like having to uh um, worry about it. Basically, all I have to do is fill it up, and then it just heats itself. And that honestly is probably the thing I use more than anything because I use it for like all my baking. Yep. Like I, I, need hot water. I can just go to right to the tap. I know it sounds super lame to say no, that, this but great. like, like it's literally just like a thing that I always am using. And so, and it was fifty dollars, which for something like that, normally they're like a hundred. And so, like. It was just way cheaper than I expected it to be, and it's probably and it the most. Great. And it, it it's worked great. I've had it for like three, four years, and yeah, it just gives me hot water on demand. No, with, I love that without any need to wait. And I think that that probably is the most best gift I've ever purchased for myself. So yeah, yeah. what that, about you? That's
1: really similar to mine. You know, my I'm like an ultra efficiency focused Enneagram three. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I think um, my
0: I think i think my three wings coming out on this one. Yeah. So. <laughs>
1: So it's easy for me to think, because my favorite thing I've purchased is similar. Okay. It's actually that camera that's recording us right now. Um, (laughs) It's like my favorite. I've owned a lot of cameras. Uh I've bought and sold a lot of them um, and tried a lot of different ones. And this one's my favorite because of a lot of reasons. I love the image I get out of it. I love the ergonomics. I love the size. I love how it's used. But one of the things I really like about it, I don't even know if I told you this, my favorite youtuber, and I emulate a lot of my style after him, is a guy named Caleb Pike, okay he has a youtube like camera education channel called d s l r video shooter hmm. and it's this awesome huge video channel, and I actually purchased that camera from him oh he, uh, wow he he had tweeted that he was selling some gear off, and it he was selling it for like a really really good price, so i purchased it from him. So I love that because it has this connection to like one of my favorite content creators. Um, That's awesome. That camera used to belong to Caleb Pike. So for all of those reasons, I love it, but it's the same thing. It's as far as like something that I use day in and day out that I bought.
0: You literally do use that Sigma every day here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I use it all the time. So it's my favorite for all of those reasons. Um, My favorite gift that I've been given is a tougher one. I'm gonna cheat and have two answers,
0: I think okay
1: one is uh you can't see it on camera here, but there's a gu- a black guitar hanging over here in mm-hmm. the corner. My grandfather gave me that guitar and it was he gave it to me just a few months before passing away mm. um, but it's also one of those things that has led me into a whole life of music and you know music's been so important to me and such a big thing that I focused on and so I love that for that reason but also just kind of the connection that it has with mm. my grandfather my second one is similar to uh, mine yours or I was, I was just thinking about it and it's it is up on this shelf it's crazy all my favorite things are in this room right now uh, <laughs> you can kind of see it it's all blurry but it's this this white book that's facing forward with uh, if you are gold for the yeah.
0: task it is too small
1: yep right it's a, so it's like a journal that, um, for a while I was the spiritual formation coordinator for, uh, Mid-South Christian College, the college that we're broadcasting from right now. And I, um, ran the chapel services and did some counseling and, you know, just as the spiritual guy, the pastor for the people training to be pastors. Hmm. And, uh, it was about the end of my year of doing that where I was going to move on to start this church plant. And I was doing one of my last devotionals with all the students from the school. And we finished up the devotional, and I'm packing up to leave, and they're like, hey, Nick, before you leave, um, we have this uh, surprise for you. And at that moment, my wife Adrian and my brother Jeremy and Kendall, his wife, all pop in the room, and they have, like, a cake and ice cream. And they were like, we're going to do, like, a going-away party for you, which was awesome. It was great. But then at the end of the party, they handed me this book and it was just a book that it's a journal that has a John Piper quote on it. Cause John Piper is one of my favorite pastors and, uh, just really resonated with where I was feeling at that moment in time with mm. this huge task of trying to start a church. Yeah. And the quote says, if you are sufficient for the task, then, um, the, the, task is too small (laughs) and is just basically resonating with that fact of like don't worry about feeling overwhelmed um but then also related to that it uh inside they each went in and wrote something that i had done for them that year that they appreciated you know and like something that they had uh and, and like kind words from people really mean a lot to me. Yeah, um, I'm mm. like a words of affirmation kind of guy. And so anytime I'm feeling down or feeling like I'm not doing enough, I can just like look at that book and it's literally a book of words of affirmation mm. <laughs> from some people who mean a lot to me. And so that's really helpful too, because it just kind of helps hmm. get me through the hard times. That's so, awesome. That's awesome. Those are probably my favorites. Not as useful, but very meaningful. Oh. So, yeah. So... Speaking of hard times, uh, yeah, uh, I, I kind of hinted at it briefly. I'm not going to go into all the details. It'll it'll be for another time, and mm-hmm. and it's still a developing situation. But I've had a hard 24 hours ish. Mm. I told you a little bit about it earlier, Noah. But my family has been dealing with some health issues, and um, <clears throat> I was not dealing with it well. <laughs> I was not dealing with having to deal with other people going through health issues mm. very well. Um, and so we spent a lot of time talking about it earlier today. And so we kind of pivoted. Originally, we were going to talk, spend a little bit of time today talking about like Christian movies. Yeah, it's a little bit of a yeah. goofier concept, mm-hmm. but just like, you know, Christian why, art why do you, especially so many people our age, hate so many Christian movies. I referenced the movie God's Not Dead in the sermon on Sunday. Mm-hmm.
0: It was so funny and how many people our age were like
1: oh i'm so glad you said that. yeah they were like oh i also (laughs) hate that movie but then like i know other people that were just like no i love that movie what's your problem so it's (laughs) it's a very divisive one for that reason um but it felt a little too goofy to talk about i just didn't think i could get in that headspace yeah in the moment right now necessarily and we felt like our conversation that we had earlier was just really good and maybe something that would be helpful to y'all and something that connects closely with the themes and topics of Advent that we've been going through specifically. And um, m- most specifically, what we want to talk about is just uh, the, the the problems of pain, the issues related with pain. And is it possible for you to to actually grow and mature, especially as Christians? You know, that's the big topic that we're talking about with all our deep dives. Especially as Christians, is it possible for us to grow and to mature without experiencing pain mm. in our lives um and I, and it's interesting because this is kind of an ongoing conversation that the two of us have been having for months at this yeah,
0: point yeah it really has
1: and it's it's kind of funny we've both bonded over the fact that we're both wimps when it comes to uh, <laughs>
0: I've never thought pain. about it that way but thanks nick <laughs>
1: <laughs> just call it legacy, man um, we both just really afraid of experiencing pain we both do a lot of things in our lives to avoid pain mm-hmm. um you know it's not exclusive to us i think it's kind of a human condition there's not a lot of other human beings that experience that go through pain but you've helped me at least notice that there is definitely a um a courage component that comes with looking at pain that may be on the mm-hmm. horizon and then diving into it anyways so to speak and it takes courage to willfully experience that kind of pain in life sometimes um and so it's really funny because that's both something we both that's something we both aspire to but i don't know that either of us feel like we've been very good at uh at doing it and at not just trying to escape from our pain in everyday life and in just our own experiences.
0: Well, and I was thinking about this in terms of like our society right now is that the more and more we advance technologically, the more and more we're trying to prevent things from being painful, you know, mm-hmm. like if you think about in terms of like, uh, our, uh, farming for instance, right? Like we've tried to like, that used to be our source for food and farming was really difficult. Like it was a very sweat of your brow, like very like hard, Thing to do, and the more and more technology has advanced, the more and more we've pushed that off on a su- certain subset of group of people that still farm while the rest of us don't have to do that anymore, right? right. And it's like every technological advance is attempting to, uh, in some ways, lessen the amount of uh, physical pain um, mm-hmm. that we. Endure, you know, like it's we as a society we're trying to move further and further away from experiencing pain in our normal everyday lives, and so you know, you and I today are the result of uh um 2000 years and even more mm-hmm. of technological development away from the livelihood in which pain was just a normal reality. Like, I mean, I, I was thinking about the fact that like, you know, chloroform and these ways of like anesthesia and things are sure. just recent inventions. You yeah, know, like yeah, they're yeah. not something that like, uh, they're not something our world has had for a very long time. Um, and so I, I don't know. i I've found that now that we're at the point where technology has gotten so good at preventing pain, even sometimes before, we can even like predict when it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, now we have these questions that start to arise: Is like now that we are able to prevent it, um, like is there a benefit to it, and right. is there actually something good that pain does in our lives? Um, that shouldn't be prevented or should you know? And like that, I think that that's really the main question that we're gonna kind of tackle today. Is um, now that we can prevent certain pains from happening, um, you know, what is it specific? Is pain a bad thing? Is it a good thing? Like, what exactly? um, What are we dealing with here when we talk about it? Because like, you know, I think right now we're at the point, at least in our culture and society, where everybody. I've talked to at least wants to avoid pain at every moment, you know, uh, you and I in particular, um, where we really, you know, any, any time you like sort of broach the subject of pain, there's this immediate, like aversion to it. Right. You know, and this, this, this feeling that, uh, uh, like this is just going to end really badly. And, um, you can look at a lot of the pain in the world and you can see how it leads, to not good places, but there've been several people in my life, uh, not people, but like books I've read in my life that seem against that. And they all seem to be from a Christian perspective, you know, like a lot of Christians have sort of spoken into our own modern society and said, pain actually can help you. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so ki- before we get into that yeah. though, so, mm-hmm.
1: you know, so it's kind of like you, you, the, the question we're asking mm-hmm. ourselves is now that we can avoid pain so easily, mm-hmm should that be the goal mm-hmm. to just avoid all pain? Right. Um, or should is there something good that can come from painful experiences or experiencing pain and just all kinds of different things related to pain? Um, and what really got us started talking about it uh, earlier today was that um, just like our society is in a place where we are not, where we just don't have to experience as much pain as we used to have to...
0: Mm-hmm
1: we as individuals often are in that same place where we just are living really privileged lives or we've not had to go through a lot of yeah. painful experiences like people in past generations and cultures would have had to. And um, you were talking about a conversation that you had had with some friends of yours where uh, a few of them were arguing for specifically this point that those people who have not had to go through a lot of pain in their life who've tried to avoid it at all costs are like less knowledgeable of what's actually going on in the world Yeah, and like are less able to actually see things as they are. Yeah. Um, I compared it a little bit to my own experiences with, uh, what I've referenced in my, various sermons which is just that most of my life i've been a pretty good just rule follower Mm. just followed the rules done whatever i need to do obeyed my parents obeyed the law you know just kind of been a general rule follower and because of that um i've noticed that there's been just lots of times in life where people will just dismiss the things i'm saying because they're like ah well you know nick's just goody two-shoes guy he's not gonna Mm. He, he 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 can't really speak into this situation um and it's a similar thing that was being referenced when it comes to, to, to pain, you know, that there's just certain people that feel like um, you don't really know what's going on mm. unless you are somebody that has experienced pain in some way or another. Yeah. And so that's kind of one of the first first questions. positives of pain, mm. I guess, could be mm. this possibility, this thing that was brought up by your friends, which is. The pain, 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 opens your eyes to how the world really is. Helps mm. you see things as they are, in yeah. some
0: Form or another. Um, Do you think that's like uh, because of the experience, right? Like it's like the the sense in which like you because you experience something really painful, um, you're open to the fact that the world is so broken. Is that really where where it comes uh, comes from? I think.
1: Yeah, well, I think there's a few different reasons, but I guess, do you agree with that? Do you think that pain does help you see the world better?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I have to. Um, You know, I think in some sense you always have this bit of... uh, I don't know it it seems as if it deepens you in some sense right you know especially i think we were talking about it earlier where i don't necessarily think it's the pain itself that deepens you but it does force you to ask a a question and it will always force you to ask this question which is whatever what is keeping me going right like Mm -hmm. in the middle of this pain what is keeping me going um and when you are forced to ask that question, what is keeping me going? Um, you, whatever, However you answer that question is really going to deepen your understanding of a bigger question, which is why do I live? Right? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really a big part of maturity is getting to the point where you're asking, why am I here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you're... Pain just has a really uh, forceful way of making you ask that question. What is going to get me through this, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So what's like an example of that?
1: Like just mm -hmm. as far as making it a little bit more concrete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How can uh, metaphorically some pain that somebody is experiencing Mm -hmm. help them answer that question? You
0: see this a lot in like uh, any story really um, is – Oftentimes, we call this the hero's journey, um, where your character in a story will go through um, something really traumatic before they make a good decision that affects the whole story. I'll use Star Wars as an example, right? Mm -hmm. Luke Skywalker doesn't want to leave his little home in Tatooine, even though everybody says, no, you totally should. You should be a Jedi. Mm -hmm. And Ben Kenobi wants him to be a Jedi. But, you know. He wants to he wants to stay home and work on power converters you know <laughs> like he, 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 he's too afraid to take that step to go out into the space and even though that's really what he wants to do. And so what it takes for him to do that is it takes the death of his uncle and his uh, aunt uh, being killed by stormtroopers before he ever actually takes to the sky right That's like mm-hmm. the linchpin that like pushes him into, going into the sky and then eventually becomes the hero and you know you know how the story goes right and so it's kind of ingrained in our stories that um you need that push you know you need that you need that traumatic event to um push you into the skies um and it kind of like in the same way, I'll uh, the, my friends that were talking about it used an argument that I thought was actually pretty good where they talked about how when you're building your muscles physically, you've got to kill the muscles that are there before you build them back up, essentially. You mm-hmm. know? Um, you've got to, uh, in essence, go through the pain of having uh, deteriorated muscles before you build them back up as even stronger than they were before. Uh, Which is
1: kind of where we got the... Title for today's episode. Yeah, no, it, pain, no, no pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. That that phrase gets used all the time as like in in bodybuilding and working out. You yeah, need, you need the the pain of having to push through to build up exactly your muscles and all that kind of stuff. So it, it leads to maturity. Yeah, and to a certain extent, we we do think that that is biblical. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I personally see that the way Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount. You know, his his big sermon where he's going to lay out the, the, the law of Christ, you Mm. know, so to speak. And he, um, starts it with this section called the Beatitudes, which is just these blessings for specific people. And, you know, there's famous ones, blessed are the poor, Mm. blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, everyone that he is focusing on and the specific types of people he's focusing on are like these people who have experienced suffering and pain and heartache Mm. in their lives. And it does seem that Jesus is implying that because they have gone through those difficulties, they are blessed because they see the world as it really is. They don't have the wool pulled over their eyes in the way that the, the wealthy and privileged do sometimes. Yeah. And he does specifically in the sermons talk about the wealthy and how, there's even other points in the gospels where he talks about people who are, are wealthy. Uh, it's going to be very hard for them to enter the kingdom of heaven. Mm. And I think at least a component of that is just that they've had, they, they haven't had to go through very much pain. Right. (laughs) So they're not going to be very mature. Um, you know, they just have not had to experience that, um, that level of heartache in their life and, 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 and have not had to grow because of it in yeah. some ways. So anecdotally and in stories and all that kind of stuff, we do think that's true. We've both mm-hmm. seen that. But um, but we don't necessarily, a- and we do see it biblical as well, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm saying, we, we, we think there's a component of that in the Bible. Also, um, but, the area where both of us were struggling a little bit today earlier today when we were talking about it where we're still maybe kind of questioning it a little bit was on whether that pain so that pain can be helpful in mm-hmm. maturing you but is it necessary and will it always be there right so to speak
0: right cuz uh the way i i was having the discussion uh a part of me has always felt that um not only will pain grow you but love will too hmm. you know and uh part of me wants to believe like for instance let's take the star wars example again right part of me wants to believe that had ben kenobi been a very loving person in that situation and uh his parents had been very supportive of Luke's desire, or I guess it, not his parents, but his uncle and aunt had been very supportive of his desires to want to go off and uh, fight in the rebellion. Um, that if they had loved him into that, he would yeah. have also made that same choice. And he didn't necessarily need his fa- his uncle and his uh, um, uh, aunt to die um, for him to go off. Right? Like right. And there's there's that part of me that always believes that. Um, You don't necessarily need the push towards growth. The push towards growth doesn't always have to be pain. The push towards growth can be um, love itself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've had many times in my life where I've had very painful things that have always kept me down. Mm -hmm. And I've always made the wrong choices. Granted, in those moments, like I've made choices to c- continue on and suffer and not necessarily grow. Um, so, in situations like that, I'm more likely to stay on Tatooine for the rest of my life and just pity myself and be yeah. like, "Oh, I lost my aunt and my uncle, and man, that's just awful." And you know, I'm just gonna live out the rest of my life as a farmer here on Tatooine. Like that's mm. my ten. That's my personality. My yeah. my tendency is to not be the hero and my tendency is to instead stay there Um, and i've made bad choices in my life doing that and uh so i feel like the only answer for me for when i make choices like that where i'm like no i'm just gonna stay on tatooine Mm -hmm. is someone has to come in and love me out of tattooing, you know, like someone mm-hmm. has to come in and instead of giving me more pain <laughs> that pushes me, which isn't going to work, it's just going to keep me there on tattooing. Someone needs to come in and love me out of it, you know? Absolutely. Um, and so I feel like that's the missing component when a lot of times Christians do talk about pain as a good push. It's not the only way to push you towards something. Right. because, there are some people that can
1: experience pain in their life and rather than having it push them towards better things, mm-hmm. it leads them into just sort of a, to giving up. Exactly. And um, <clears throat> so it, it it can kind of go both ways. And to kind of push back on the earlier point, which is that pain helps you see the world better. Mm-hmm. I think part of the reason people feel that way is because the world is broken. It is fallen isn't working the way it's supposed to in some ways, you know? And so good people don't get to flourish. Bad people get away with things all the time. And so if you're somebody who has never had to go through any sort of painful experience, you haven't experienced that brokenness firsthand. Mm. Whereas a pain, a person who's gone through a lot of pain, they know it because they've experienced it. They're like, yeah. Oh, I, I know this world is messed up cause I've seen it for myself. So in that way you feel like you, see better but my whole pushback is that I have also noticed that in that same way that pain can push you and it can also set you back I've also noticed that pain can open your eyes but it can also close them <laughs> Again. Yeah. it can also blind you in a way to the realities of how things really are mm. uh, the example I use all the time is a story I heard once of uh, some missionaries who uh, were were friends of friends and they had um adopted their son from this uh, uh, from uh, Ethiopia mm. and Ethiopia is a country that has been experiencing a lot of starvation and famine for mm. decades at this point and their son was very you know emaciated, undernourished all this kind of stuff when they got him to back to the states to their home and they slowly started uh, you know just integrating him into their family and you know get helping him get to know things and get to know the country and all this kind of stuff. And the mom tells a story of one day when she was cleaning up in his room and she moved the bed off to the side and under his bed she found just piles of food. Lots just piles of food and it was like moldy and rotten cuz a lot of it had just kind of like sat in there not mm. not in a refrigerator, you know, just Yeah. And what she found out was that her son was eating half of his meals and then saving the other half so that he could hoard it in his room because he had grown up with so much pain and starvation in his life where he didn't know where his next meal was coming from that he felt like he needed to save it. it you save, know, he, half. He save half. Save he, half. He, he wasn't sure where his next meal was going to come from. And she described how it took years, basically, for her son to finally learn that there was enough food. (laughs) He was not going to starve the, the, their, their friends, their family, their church was not, was going to make sure that they didn't starve. There was plenty available for him here in the States and he was not going to starve. He didn't, it it took a long time for that reality to set in. Mm. And so in a lot of ways, the pain that he had experienced had basically made it almost, impossible for him to see the depths of the blessings that he did have Mm. and the depths of the ways that he was provided for now here and now in this space. And so I've seen that with a lot of people I know who have gone through a lot of pain in their life is that they sometimes have gone through so much pain that they're just unwilling or unable to see the good when it is there. Mm. Um, the, that there is enough food, that that person does really love you, that you are really well provided for, that you have a great community, you know, all, all kinds of truths that they end up not being able to see because they have just gone through.
0: Pain blinds pain. them to the lights of the world that do exist in their lives. Yes. Yeah.
1: So even though, yes, the world has fallen, yes, there are yeah. a lot of negative and horrible things in the world, but there's also a lot of great things in the world. There's also a lot of love and joy and... Um, Just like beautiful things. Yeah. And the pain that they have experienced has blinded them to some of those things. Mm. So it can help you see better, but it can also blind you. Yeah. And so it's not the end all be all. You know, there's, there's kind of pitfalls on either side of it. Yeah. In my own experience.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think that's the, that is the unfortunate cycle of blind by pain, blinded by pain is Mm -hmm. that when you get to that point, suddenly even when people do try and love you, you don't see it as love, you know, because you're blinded, right? You're blinded by all the pain of your past, right? Um, That was a big step in my life was having to realize that um, I was letting past pains influence how modern and present people were loving me, you know, and I had to learn that I had to resolve those past pains and deal with those past pains so that I then could accept the love of people in the present without that blindness, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think that part of it, uh, is a danger that pain has, you know, just as much as pain can push you to grow, um, and push you to mature. It can also, if you, uh, are making these choices where you just sit in that pain and you uh, let that pain define you, um, it can also blind you, like you're saying. And so there is there is a, there's a warning kind of there, I think, where um, you've got to be really careful um, how you manage it. I, I was telling you this story um, that uh, I think really fits well here. Um, I don't know if uh, many of you know, but there's a... Um, author named frederick Buchner, who's kind of been on like the outsets of christianity he's like somewhere like he's he's definitely someone that i think we're rediscovering lately but um for a while he was just sort of known only in like literary circles i hadn't ever heard of him until around 21 or 22 um but uh frederick Buchner has a really interesting like life story he uh his father committed suicide when he was very young um his mother was very uh Suffered from dementia from later on in her life, mm-hmm. and he had, he had to deal with a lot of pain in his life, and he uh, wrote very beautifully. He he is just one of the most gifted writers I've ever read, and uh, he uh, wrote of a story that he had later on in his life when he ended up going to a retreat where they essentially sat around and talked about the pains in their past and their life. And he told the story of his father committing suicide and just a lot of the different things that he went through as a kid. And uh, he said, after the retreat was kind of finishing up their session, uh, the main kind of organizer kind of took him aside and talked to him about it. And um, he said he, he heard from this guy, a very, A line that he just kind of ran with ever since, which was um, the leader told him, You've had a lot of pain in your life, and you've been a good steward of it. And he said that line of being a good steward of your pain just sort of uh, refocused his idea of pain. Mm -hmm. And he stopped thinking of it as something that was happening to him Mm -hmm. and something that was actually happening for him. And it was one of those moments where he started to see all of the pains that had happened in his life as something that he could use to help other people with as well. Um, And that's kind of where he started writing his own books, delving into his pains, his past pains. Uh, He wrote several memoirs. um, And he said that as he grew older, he watched his mother, who was dealing also with the fact that her husband had committed suicide Mm -hmm. and how she handled her pain. And she had never really acknowledged it. She ignored it and she buried it and she didn't really ever think about it. She tried to put it in the past and let the past be the past. Yeah. And, uh, he watched as that slowly began to de- deteriorate her mind. Really? Um, something about putting it in the back of your head and never acknowledging it and ignoring it, um, slowly started to, to warp the, her. Yeah. Um, and, uh, he saw that that was a very unhealthy way to uh, manage that pain, and so that's always stuck with me too. Has yeah. been that you, you can't really, you can't really ignore it either, you know. Um, yeah, and I love that line Buchner uses where he he
1: juxtaposes um, bearing pain, mm. right? Is what he we call it. he. What was the two phrases he uses? Um,
0: um, like. Uh, He's like steward of a pain, or yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, stewarding your pain, stewarding your pain versus bearing your pain, yeah, I think is what he talks
0: and about, yeah, grasping a hold of it, right. with a closed fist versus right. an open hand, right, and so
1: somebody can like just kind of hold it, yeah, and they don't do anything with it, they hold it in,, mm-hmm. whereas somebody else will steward it mm-hmm. for other things It's a, a um, Mimi posted, she commented just now, mm-hmm. Donna Nivens. Adrian's grandmother, yeah. she posted Question I ask it all the time is what am I to learn from this Lord in order to serve you better? Mm. And I think she's kind of hitting on exactly yeah. what you were saying there to, um, you know, what, uh, how, how, how can we steward this pain so that something can come from it yeah. rather than just like bearing it and squirreling it away and putting it, back somewhere in a dark recess of our minds. Yeah,
0: Buchner almost thought of it as pain being one of the talents that were given in the parable of the ten talents, right? Hmm. You know, you've got, the, uh, par- you got a man that's given five talents, you've got a man that's given two, and you've got a, one that's given one. And Buchner went so far as to think that pain was actually a talent that you're given. And you can either invest that pain, you hmm. know, or you can bury it. Right. Yeah. And, um, he said that he watched his own mother bury it and he mm. saw the results of that. Right. Um, and so what he tried to do is he tried to invest that pain, um, and try and get something back from it. Um, and I always felt like that was probably the most powerfully really convicting for me. Cause I think really all of us want to bottle it up, you know, like right. that's our natural tendency is to bottle it up. Um, But he really deeply felt that if you don't do that, if you do bury it, then you also won't receive love, which is really what Mm -hmm. we were talking about earlier. You become so blinded by the fact that you've buried this thing in the dirt that you can't really see people loving you knowing that pain exists, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And then you start asking questions like, well, if they did find out about this pain that's in my life that I've buried, would they love me then? Right,, you know, like because you've buried it because no one knows about it, then you start asking these questions, and you don't really know because you haven't actually unburied the thing and given it to someone else, you know right. um and so it's like it becomes a spiral in which um you make all these wrong choices, I think, and it's not really that pain is the thing that's the wrong thing. This is what uh, Lewis will say in the problem of pain. he doesn't actually think that pain itself is bad. But he thinks that the choices that we make as a result of that pain are what is bad, you know, mm-hmm. or uh, what can be bad, or what can be bad. Yeah, and it's like you know, it's the and you've talked even about this too. Is like when uh, you're, it's the intentions behind the thing that's really the the harmful thing, right? Mm-hmm. And um, when you're intending harm on someone right when you're intending this evil you've already done an evil through intention more so than the actual act itself Mm -hmm. is Um, and I think that that's really what he gets across a lot of the time with pain is that um, most of the times the wrongs that really hurt the most are not the act itself but the intention behind that act you know right? Um, and that's really to me, that's the thing that you are forced to reconcile, right? You mm-hmm. know, and you're forced to deal with. Um, and yeah, I, I, I haven't gotten that one fully fleshed out yet, um, right. but that that's kind of, and so it's kind of like the thing that makes a thing
1: moral or immoral, mm-hmm. good or bad, all of those kinds of things is the the human choices that are involved in that. Mm-hmm. So. Lewis makes a really big point of whatever pain you've experienced in your life what ends up defining its goodness or badness is what choices you make right in spite of it or because of it mm-hmm. or in the midst of it whereas um the the the, the pain itself is really just kind of the catalyst for getting you into a place yeah. where you where yeah. you have a, suddenly a decision to make yeah at that moment and, um, yeah, just in general, that idea is something that is really helpful mm-hmm. because sometimes I think we, um, we get so discouraged by having to go through pain mm-hmm. partly because go and bring it all the way back to the beginning. We just haven't had a lot of practice with it. Right ourselves. now. Um, you said something really helpful to me today where you were just saying your own experience has been that lots of times you are imagining what, how bad something is going to be, how painful something's going to be. And it's never as bad as yeah. what you're imagining. And so I think part of that is just this disconnect we have because we don't experience a lot of pain in our lives. So we, we make it out to be a much bigger, worse thing than it ends up being oftentimes.
0: Yeah. You can oftentimes, uh, predict like not predict, but like imagine what the future will hold as far as the subject goes. Mm-hmm. You know, you can say, okay, I felt, pain because this has happened in the past and this is probably going to happen again. And, uh, then you can start to make these predictions about like the pains you're going to experience tomorrow and the day after that. And oftentimes you aggravate those, right? And you end up having this sense of, uh, fear and you end up, I sometimes think, making decisions that even cause you more pain because you're so afraid of the Of pain. avoiding pain, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, you actually end up aggravating the pain you do fear. Um, I'll use the example of when I was a kid. Um, uh, my sister and I would always go to the doctor, and we always knew we would both get our finger pricked. And uh, when uh, we get our finger pricked there was two ways you could do it my sister's way or you could do it my way my sister would clench up the entire time Mm -hmm. because she was so afraid of getting her finger pricked and uh i would go in with a game boy and i'd play my little video game and just hold my finger out and just ignore it and uh the my sister would always experience more pain when she did get her finger pricked because, because she was like, Because she was tensed up yeah. Right And you're just like you, When you're When you're that tight It's gonna actually cause more pain um, Whereas mine I Sometimes I didn't even know They had pricked my finger <laughs> Cause I'm so focused on a video game yeah. <laughs> um, And uh, I've found that uh, The Mental attitude That you have Towards the very subject itself Of pain Will determine How much pain you do experience Yep You know Um, and that's kind of what we wanted to
1: culminate with ultimately. mm -hmm. Um, I like that example. You've given me that example before. Mm -hmm. And I like that partly because your sister focused on the pain Mm -hmm. and because of that felt more pain. Yeah. You focused on something that brought you joy and because of that you felt less pain. You focused on this game, this thing Mm -hmm. that you were, and that's kind of the biblical model that I'm starting to find over and over again Mm -hmm. for how to deal with pain. Um, it's the model that the apostle Paul uses to describe Jesus Mm. and says that Jesus knew that the cross was going to be painful, but for the joy set before him, he endured the cross is what Mm. it says. He, he, he he looked past the pain on the other side, looked towards this amazing, joyful kingdom that he was bringing into existence. He looked at people like me and you that he was going to be able to bring into his family and that helped him get through the pain. Hmm. It's an example I've heard lots of times from women who describe childbirth as, you know, widely recognized as one of the most painful things that humans can experience. But they push through it because they of the joy of the child Mm. on the other side of that sort of pain. And so focusing on something joyful or something good or something positive um, is the way that you kind of get through a lot of that pain. An example from the New Testament that I see a lot of times when it relates to pain is uh, it's very early in the book of Acts. The disciples, the 12 disciples of Jesus, a few of them are out now as apostles proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And some of the Jewish leaders don't want that. You know, and Mm. so they're trying to get them to stop preaching about Jesus, stop talking about Jesus. And so they have them whipped and... You know, they have not flogged. And the book of Acts describes this crazy situation where they leave rejoicing. Mm. They leave joyful and happy um, that they had to go through that pain. Yeah. And the reason they do is it says so in the text. It's that they were counted worthy to suffer for the cause of Christ. That they, they viewed that pain as God giving them a stamp of approval of like, you are worthy of 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 suffering for this great cause, which is the kingdom. They mm. were looking at that kingdom, looking at that promised reward. And it was what was the motivation to, to help them to push through. Um, the apostle Paul uses that language. he He describes it as like a race, you know, and there's a prize that's set before you. Mm. You focus on that prize and it helps you push through the pain. Yeah. And to me, that is kind of the key in a lot of things. Um, you You focus on this on on this joy on this 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 positive thing that's on the other side of a lot of it mm. and so that's what i 'm going to focus on this upcoming Sunday mm. uh, in our sermon um, is sort of how do you rejoice in the midst of suffering in the midst mm. of difficult times and it's interesting because the third Sunday of Advent is usually used as kind of a reprieve from some of the deep, dark mm. difficult ask concepts that usually we talk about in Advent. You know, the reason we thought this was appropriate is because Advent is a time when you focus on pain and suffering and some of the deep darknesses that exist in the world. But, you know, we know that people aren't, uh, able to just live in that dark, deep, dark (laughs) place all the time. You need a, you need it to come up for air for a second. And this third Sunday is where we focus on, on the joy of the coming Messiah. Mm. But I really wanted to focus on, the sort of paradoxical way of like, how do you experience joy in the middle of all the suffering? Mm. And I think part of it is to, is that forward looking thing, but I won't go into all of that. If you want to hear the actual <laughs> final part of it, you'll have to tune in this Sunday, seven o'clock here on Facebook, YouTube, wherever you're watching. We'll be on TikTok again Sunday. Uh, we're very thankful. Jacob, duly our outreach minister has been out with, uh, covid mm-hmm. <laughs> he 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 has been quarantine and tested had tested positive a few weeks ago and he's been cleared to yep return to his normal activities and hey. so he'll be able to help us out with other things there so we're thankful for that but yeah facebook youtube tiktok wherever it is that you're tuning in you'll be able to catch us this sunday you can hear a little bit more about that specific topic how do you rejoice in the middle of your pain <laughs> you got anything else
0: yeah, I I would just say that, like, uh, um, it's not easy going through, so don't think of this as, like, here's how you should think in the middle of you suffering, right. you know? Like, <laughs> a lot of times, like, when you're suffering in the middle of it, uh, you just need to be, I, I was telling you this earlier, just think about it as trying to get through this day, you know? Right. Think about what you can do in this day, Um Pray to God. I pray to God all the time when I'm suffering through pains. Uh, I find that prayer really helps the most mm-hmm. when it comes to comes to pain because you—the uh, psalmists in particular gave us an example of how to handle pain, which was not to bottle it up and not to dish it out onto every human that's in front of you. Instead, what you do is you pray it to God. Uh, mm-hmm. And the psalms are huge examples of taking your pain and praying, praying, God. praying it straight to God. So— Um, I'm really a big fan of that I think that helps a lot Um, and so this is more global macro how to think about pain overall once you've already gone through it and experienced it But in the moment um, the only thing I'd say to you is just take that uh, don't bottle it up don't bottle it up and just take that pain and pray it to God
1: yep I think that's great I definitely wholeheartedly agree with that as well (laughs) So that's good advice. We'll leave it on that. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We will uh, see y'all hopefully this Sunday and next week for our following deep dive. Thanks guys. What's up, everybody? This is Nick Griffin. I am uh, the lead pastor here at Wayfarers Christian Church, and I just wanted to thank you for for tuning into our podcast. Listen, if you found this podcast helpful or uh, at least entertaining, would you consider helping us out financially? All the money we receive goes to provide living wages for all our staff, and we would definitely appreciate any support you can give. You can give at wayfarerscc.com slash give. And like I said, We super appreciate the support. Thank you and blessings.